If you are vulnerable to psychic damage from roguish language, stay away from these gibbering mouths. But if you intend on listening to this podcast about enriching your fantastical group hallucinations, you're too far gone already. Your next game is going to be worryingly friendly, and here's why. In this episode, we find some answers to, is the friend spell really the turd that so many people think it is? <laughs> and how can we use this amazing cantrip without burning every bridge in town? And who in the real world has used the friend spell to incredible results? Welcome to the Hook and Chance podcast. I'm Jordan. And I'm his brother, Travis. Friends. Friends, Friends laugh together. <laughs> this is likely perceived to be the most useless cantrip in the entire list of cantrips. That makes me sad because making friends is so important. <laughs> well, well, that's part of the issue with it is that baked right into the cantrip is a part that says that they're no longer your friend. Hmm. Fair enough. And a lot of people don't think that this particular cantrip can be salvaged at all. You might as well just not use it and deal with the results. So you're a player and you're sitting down and you're looking through the list of potential cantrips to take at first level. And you're going to take anything before the thing that gets you kind of a cool bonus, but then pisses everybody off. You've got fire blasts and icy chill touches and yeah, all kinds of wild shit to choose from. Being a little more charismatic isn't at the top of most people's list. And just in case you're unfamiliar with what we're talking about, the actual spell description says when the spell ends, the creature realizes that you used magic to influence its mood and becomes hostile towards you. You've got a cantrip that's like, hey, do you want to be in a fight? Here's how. It's like being really charismatic for a little bit and then ripping a fart <laughs> at the end of it. Yeah. It's just like, well, that ruined the mood. <laughs> Spell's over. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So the problem here is that before we get too far down that wild rabbit hole of just assuming that the friends spell gets you into auto fights, there's a lot of misconceptions on both the player and the DM side on this particular cantrip. So we got some clarifications to make. And we don't think you should make the mistake of trying to play a charismatic character without taking this easy spell. Totally. And if you have it available to you, you should absolutely take this spell, and we'll explain why. But we think that you should be getting called on by your party for every one of those charismatic scenarios to use this spell. Because, holy crap, is it ever powerful. Right on. And it's a freebie. Cast it as many times as you want. If you don't love this cantrip by the end of this episode, your money back. I don't think we can follow through with that. <laughs> well, we absolutely can. There was no money exchanged. <laughs> okay. So we're going to talk about how you can use it in our first segment, the Kinship Camp. This is Kinship Camp, where rich histories and diverse quirks are explored between weary adventurers around the safety of the fire. So before we get any further, let's cover the spell, the basics of the spell. Explain what we're talking about. All right. The friend spell. It is an enchantment spell. It's available to bards. It's available to sorcerers, warlocks, and wizards. It's a cantrip. 
which means you can cast it as many times as you want. The casting time is a single action. What else? You cast it on yourself. The components are somatic and material, a little bit of makeup applied to the face. And the spell description reads, For the duration, you have advantage on all charisma checks directed at one creature of your choice that isn't hostile towards you. When the spell ends, the creature realizes that you used magic to influence its mood and becomes hostile towards you. A creature prone to violence might attack you. Another creature might seek retribution in other ways at the DM's discretion, depending on the nature of your interaction with it. So that sounds like the scariest spell in the world. Because a creature prone to violence might attack you? Yeah, it's right there. People read a little bit too much into that might? (laughs) Maybe a little bit. Let's break this down a little bit deeper and let's get inspired by some interesting thoughts on this one particular spell. Some some of those aforementioned clarifications. Very well. Well, if you take an inspiration, you have to start with the first time any of us saw the spell Friends cast and it was during Star Wars. (laughs) These are not the droids you're looking for. Absolutely. Little hand gesture, somatic component. Totally. And if you think about it, the stormtroopers, after they realized they had been duped, came straight to that cantina looking for them. Yeah. So it's got all of the the necessities of the friend's cantrip. And Obi-Wan Kenobi was probably wearing some makeup. (laughs) (laughs) He had a little blush on. Yeah. I mean, the actor was. Technically, it works. Fair enough. (laughs) Uh, Another place that we've seen this particular spell used would be in The Witcher. If you recall, the Axie sign. It makes people very suggestible. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I think The Witcher used this in kind of two different ways. Because for one, like in combat, you can actually make somebody fight for you, which is probably overreaching this spell's capabilities. Well, this spell, but I mean, as you level up in D&D, you get better spells. This is also true. Of the enchantment variety. But the Witcher, Geralt, used this spell quite a bit in a lot of his uh, interactions, his personal interactions. Like when you were going through the roleplay portions, you could potentially use the spell and away you go. Yeah. An important clarification on this is for the duration, you have advantage on all charisma checks. And for me, I always think of like charismatic scenarios. And if you consider it that way, this spell does not sound very good. I mean, first of all, it's called friends, and then you get advantage on charisma checks. But one thing that I commonly forget is that charisma checks include deception, intimidation, and performance, as well as persuasion. Yeah. And my mind always goes to persuasion. I think it's the title of the spell that makes you think that way. It's called friends. (laughs) Sure. Usually you don't walk up to your friends and start with intimidation. (laughs) Absolutely, yeah. And another thing that a lot of people seem to miss is that you can only cast it on creatures. A, that's another important distinction, creatures, meaning not just people, but all creatures. Oh. And that they have to be not hostile towards you at the time, which means that they're just not aggressive. Right, you're not casting this in combat. Or on somebody that you have tied to a chair. Yeah, fair enough. (laughs) This is a chatty, chatty, happy time spell. (laughs) Again, you are casting it on yourself. There's no saves involved. No NPCs have to roll for it. There's no chance of it failing. Yeah, 
that is a huge bonus. Like most other spells of this type have some kind of save on the behalf of the person that it's being cast on. But also it's usually being cast like more advanced version of the spells are being cast on a creature, which means that they have a save. Yeah. This one, no save. You're casting it on yourself. I, I see the common equivalent of this spell being the power stance, maybe hiking up your pants <laughs> before you walk into an important charismatic meeting. Sure. Do you do that a lot? Do you just like hike up your pants to just below your boobs and <laughs> to an appropriate professionally intimidating level? Right under the boobs. <laughs> I want this promotion. <laughs> Another really common reservation of this spell is, like we said before, it seemingly burns bridges everywhere because as soon as you use it, the recipient of your wiles now realizes that you used magic to mess with how they felt about you. I've been had. So they're going to be pissed. However... There's some very important distinctions for DMs. Listen yeah. up. If you're a DM, page 244 of the Dungeon Master's Guide has a really good bit of clarity on this. So, a friendly creature wants to help the adventurers and wishes them to succeed. An indifferent creature might help or hinder the party, depending on what the creature sees as most beneficial. And finally... A hostile creature opposes the adventurers and their goals, but doesn't necessarily attack them on sight. So that means that they're just pissed. Okay, yeah. This is much more of a role-playing situation still. Yeah, it doesn't have to devolve into a brawl. Don't have the person duped immediately draw a sword, is what you're saying. Well, exactly. And to me, this, this feels like... When I don't really feel like going out tonight, and then one of my friends says, Hey, we're going out. Do you want to come? No, I really don't want to. Okay, but it's going to be a great time, and so-and-so is going to do this cool thing. No, I really, really don't want to. I kind of want to stay home, just watch some Netflix, and after about another 60 seconds of cajoling, exactly. so sweet. Going to do some sick moves. I end up at the bar, but I'm pissed (laughs) off about it. (laughs) I'm a little choked, and I'm particularly choked at the person who convinced me to go, and then it ended up being not a great time. Because they ditch you as soon as you get there? So, am I going to stab my friend? Probably not. (laughs) Am I going to be a little choked at them for the next day? Yeah. Because I got duped into going out when Netflix was clearly the superior choice. (laughs) Absolutely. I'm a shut-in if you haven't figured this out. The spell wouldn't work in the Netflix era. (laughs) (laughs) And another really important point here is that several high charisma checks move a character back from hostile. This is also mentioned in the DMG. So you're just charming your way back to the top. There's nothing to say that you have to hate that person forever. Yeah. I'm still friends with my friends that cajole me into going out for a night of drinking. Especially when they buy you slices of pizza (laughs) on the way home. They have the rest of the night to get back into my good graces. Yeah. And they probably will succeed at doing so. (laughs) Laugh at some of your jokes. So I could even see a single player using this and then the rest of the party schmoozing their way back into this character's Okay, okay. I mean, the rest of the party can be actual buddies with whatever NPC is being... Exactly. Yeah. 
A little good cop, bad cop going okay, on. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, very good. Got my head wrapped around the spell a little bit better, for sure. So let's explore some new applications for this spell. You got any thoughts on how this could potentially be approached a little bit differently? Well, I really think about how different settings and kind of worlds would handle a spell like this. Yeah, how do you how do you mean? Well, I mean, in a higher magic world, does everybody just use this willy-nilly? Are merchants just casting friends on each other all the time? Hmm. In that scenario, you want your friend to go to the bar with you, you just cast friends on them. And it's like a <laughs> commonplace kind of thing. Yeah, and it's like, oh, you trickster, I'll get you next time. Yeah, yeah, you just give them a little, you know, jab in the chest. Or is it viewed as super intensely violating yeah to mess with your mind well that's kind of a point that i find a little bit challenging about the spell because again you're casting it on yourself you're making yourself seem bigger and grander and just more charismatic so when i put on my badass jacket that makes me glow gives me that confidence that's not that's not illegal no i'm just getting real jazzed up (laughs) (laughs) well and you might be left with a feeling of uh i i fall for the jazzy jacket every time (laughs) i'm gonna attach the spell to a jazzy jacket now would you that's a magic item (laughs) (laughs) would you be more inclined to blame somebody else for just seeming really charismatic no you're gonna blame yourself you're gonna be like ah I fall for it every time. Well, that's what we do in real life, but... And I think in real life and in this game, that gets into some murky waters because when people are intentionally trying to get you to do something because they have knowledge you don't, in this example, a spell, it's like, yeah, it's their fault. They're the nasty ones. Fair enough. I'm wondering, like, when the spell dissipates, does it just kind of, like, fade off? Like, what does that look like? What does that feel like? How does the one person that's being affected by it know that they're being affected by it, but nobody else really does in the area. Because all I can think of is like a sound cue. Like in your head? Well, that like that's what immediately comes to mind, is just this wah, wah, wah. <laughs> as the spell fades, and you're like, oh, you've got me. But that's not very visual. That's hard to use in a game. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe it feels like when an alarm clock rises you out of a deep slumber. Oh, it's just that, like, jerk or jolt? He's like, what was that? Gosh. Oh, yeah, that's a, that, that is an awful feeling. Yeah. That could be pretty put off. Puts you in that agitated mood where <laughs> the caster just shrugs their shoulders at you. <laughs> Whoopsies. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'd See, and I'd be a little choked at that person. Yeah. Would our relationship be unreconcilable? Probably not. Because I'd just slip you a chocolate bar and... Yeah. <laughs> We'd be chill. Well, the other question, you know, on the other side, a low magic setting. Would you even recognize that this was a spell or would you just feel that feeling and go, ugh, if this was a, a pretty rare occurrence, would you even recognize that it was a spell Yeah, as an NPC? I mean, does the spell not specify that they do? I get what you're saying, so yeah. I, would, I would definitely stretch this. Based on the world, for sure. Yeah, this is this is just theorizing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Another thing is that this pairs really well with disguise self. Hmm. And here's how that works: you cast the spell disguise self beforehand, so you duck into an alleyway, look like somebody else, then. 
Freddie Mercury. She's definitely. And then you go make the exchange with the merchant, cast friends. Now, as soon as you're done the transaction, you've got a minute to buy your stuff and to get out of there and make a really sweet deal. Yeah. And then as soon as you're out, friends wears off and you dispel disguise self back in your same Heidi alleyway. Yeah. Yeah, totally. That gets you into all kinds of situations that you need disguised self for, and then to prevent you from being found out right away. Yeah. And now the merchant has a, you know, a banned list for using <laughs> magic during transactions up on the wall that is looks nothing like you. Yeah. And they've got all of your uh, personas. <laughs> <laughs> this is like 30 people. These people are all dickbags. Yeah. I also think that'd be really fun to use a physical timer for those scenarios because unlike combat, role-playing is real-time. Yeah. It's like, you've got a minute to make your deal. Yeah. Hurry up. Chat fast. (laughs) Another potential for this in a world might be, again, going back to that high magic world, what what if this was just common practice before going into some kind of uh, high stakes negotiations to make sure that everyone is their best self. Hmm. Yeah, it's like everybody go ahead, cast up. Yeah. It's all pre approved and we can all make a good deal. Nobody well, has to be pissed off about this. Trade negotiations between large cities might take place in a big grand room and then two sorcerers are there casting on themselves to have a have a really solid negotiation yeah maybe that's the only spell that people in those uh, positions have to learn yeah other than fire blast (laughs) gotta have that for when things go south in your negotiations (laughs) yeah remind me to never negotiate with you (laughs) you could also lure people into traps well that's evil well i'm just saying if you aren't necessarily worried about this person's disposition afterwards you can go ahead and cast friends on the nearest guard guarding the door just to lure them around the corner. Don't kill them because then your party is a bunch of murder hobos. Yeah. But tie them up and infiltrate the castle. Whatever or you need to do there. Give them a new tie, compliment them on their appearance, Uh huh. and make friends with them. The long con. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to sneak inside that castle, but in six months. Yeah. But now we got a new pal. <laughs> and I think... I know that's a ridiculous example, but I think you made a good point about the purpose of casting the spell. So an NPC's reaction is going to be very different based on what you used it for. Yeah. And how you went about using it. Like if you used it to convince somebody to come around the corner so you could give them an ice cream cone, they're probably not going to be pissed off at you. (laughs) But if you tie them up and steal their uniform, yeah. Or tie them up and then spend the next five hours trying to convince them why they should help you with legitimate checks because like we mentioned earlier that doesn't mean that the person is forever hostile towards you yeah it just means that for a temporary time they're going to be a little bit pissed off maybe it gives you a brain freeze after it wears off oh that's interesting I would also be upset if you gave me brain freeze. Yeah, I know, right? All right, so let's actually apply this to some characters. Sounds good. So the first class that gets this spell is the bard. And tying them back to those different kinds of spell checks. 
So a bard is perfect for a performance spell check. So how could we possibly apply this here? I'm kind of going with the quintessential bard, kind of shady, but super charismatic. Yeah, makes sense. So somebody rolls into the fantasy club. Yes, thank you. Tavern, keep keep <laughs> it within the myth. So the bard is at the tavern, putting on quite a performance. Maybe the rest of the party's outside, mm. getting some wealthier looking people to go in and take a look at the show. Okay. I mean, it's a bard, so the show's probably going to be pretty good, but it doesn't even matter. Because afterwards, the bard applies some lipstick, freshens up, and goes around the room collecting tips. And their mark is the wealthiest looking person that's been lured into the room. I see, yeah. Does the old, like, hat flip and, yeah, just kind of passes it around the room, but then applies friends to the wealthy person with the big gold chains. Yeah. Interesting. And that person's going to have a real hard time convincing everybody that they shouldn't have given a big tip. Uh, (laughs) Buyer's remorse, yeah, (laughs) totally. Well, you know, even to that, so let's say that the wealthy person in this scenario realizes very shortly after, before the bard can make their escape, realizes what's happened. What if the bard then just takes some of that very excessive tip? I don't know, maybe a DM lets a... Let's a player roll for how much the wealthy person tipped. And then you just buy a round for a whole bunch of people in the bar. And now all of a sudden, everyone in the bar is on the side of the bard. So even if the wealthy person raises a stink... You've got classic friend-making techniques at your side now. Absolutely. Yeah, that's pretty good. And I like the uh, the applying lipstick because that's the material component, right? Like yeah. that's the that's the one thing that you need. But it's subtle. It doesn't look out of place. Yeah. Well, even for any character that is ever applying friends, like you want to think through your material components and what that looks like for your character. So if you are a charismatic bard, just applying lipstick before a lot of these different kind of spells. Yeah. That's totally within character. Powder the face a little. Yeah. So let's move on to Sorcerer. So this one for me, I thought fit so perfectly well with Persuasion. Okay. And here's why. A Sorcerer can use one of the metamagic abilities to cast a spell subtly, meaning it has no somatic material components. So there's no obvious triggers for this spell being cast. Yeah. Hmm. So if that doesn't need to be done, you can use a, a Sorcery point to do this anywhere and no one realizes it before the spell is being cast totally in this scenario nobody has any idea that they're about to be friends and so i'm kind of just picturing like okay so the 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 duke is sending the adventurers on their way to uh i mean anytime uh, anybody sends anybody to a dungeon they're likely sending them to their death (laughs) if we're being real You're the third crew. Yeah. (laughs) Like, there's so many people that have gone to their doom in where this duke is now sending this party. So, they're always kind of at a disadvantage. I'm kind of curious, like, why not just swing for the fences at the very end of that? So, now the party is leaving the, the royal chambers on the merry quest with the promise of gold and riches at the end. But that's if you survive. Now, the sorcerer peels around in the last couple of steps and says, hey, by the way, 
Could we take your royal carriage and get there faster? Could we have two of your guardsmen to help us on our quest? Mm. Could we have anything at at the Duke's disposal? Yeah. Just fancy for that last little bit. Yeah. And then says, of course, you know, you have advantage on all of your persuasion checks. Yeah. Which, if you're a sorcerer, you might be a very charismatic person already. Totally. So this is going to work. And then all of a sudden you get to take uh, that blinging carriage all the way to the dungeon. And it comes with its own singer. <laughs> I guess. I mean, it's like a stereo system for a car. <laughs> I see. Yes. The uh, the carriage driver yeah. has a beautiful voice. <laughs> no, that's all they sing. <laughs> Play the same song again. <laughs> well, I mean, you will have to deal with them when you get back because they'll probably know you cast a spell. Sure. But you've already signed the dotted line. Yeah. You've made the deal. The you've... quest is done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to get paid. And you're coming back as a success. Yeah. So that's probably going to lighten the load. You've rescued his daughter from the clutches of the evil dragon. Like, of course that duke is going to be fine. You've found his shoe collection in the bottom of a river full of <laughs> angels. How do you come up with these ideas for quests? All right, so what about a warlock? Well, if we're going to keep attaching uh, skills to the characters, warlock's got to be the intimidating one. Absolutely. The creepy one that sits in the chair in the corner. Good. So you've made a brooding warlock. <laughs> well, warlocks, I think intimidation is the easiest one of these to attach to friends, really. Because if you're intimidating someone, you're already giving up that they're going to be on your good side later on. Yeah. I don't usually... That's not my first approach at mixers. <laughs> <laughs> Intimidation. <laughs> I don't get invited to a lot of those, though. Maybe that's why. So if you are trying to get the information on where the shoes are... <laughs> Still doing the shoe, shoe quest. Okay. <laughs> I'm stuck there now. From the mayor of the shoe dungeon. Damn it. And your party's trying to intimidate them. What shoe dungeon needs a mayor? <laughs> it's a very thriving community. Okay. Shoe dungeon mayor. Got it. Then the rest of the party, they're playing the bad cop card and putting it on the warlock. Ah, I see. Brooding in the back. So they're building the warlock up to be the the shit scary one. Yeah. Okay. So that material component for the warlock probably isn't going to be lipstick. But No. <laughs> Maybe it's something a little more gruesome. They got some fake blood. Ooh. Technically, that's makeup. Yeah. They just give themselves a smear down the face. Ugh. Yeah, like a line under the eye or even just a whole handprint. <laughs> Smack themselves full on in the face. Oh, my blood. God. Yes. I would be intimidated of this nut job that comes towards me yeah. just like slapping his own face with fake blood. Yeah. Tell me where the shoes were going. <laughs> Jesus. All right. <laughs> that's what... Holy smokes, that's what Batman casts all the time? Friends? <laughs> I guess Batman so. casts friends on the, the criminals that he beats the tar out of. He's got the eye makeup. <laughs> it all fits together. It all works. All oh, right. No. Well, the final one is a wizard. So I'm, again, last one, deception, obviously. We got to go with wizard and deception. So tricky wizards. My thought here was 
a little bit of a con. I like a con. Well, we're deceiving people, so it's got to be con-like. Yeah. My wizard needs this person to help me get into a place. I need this person to, to, to go with me despite how they feel about me. So I need something pretty big to really pitch them on. Okay. So here's the con. I don't want to go. I can help you. I got the key. Yeah, exactly. The wizard comes up and says, I need your help. And I know that you will help me because it has been foretold in my book. What book? Well, this book right here. And I open the book and inside is cast illusory script. So if there's even anyone else around, so I cast illusory script as a ritual beforehand. Okay. Illusory script is the spell that allows you to basically make a script say something, but underneath it says something different. Okay. So you can make it appear to just a few select people what it really and truly says. Nice. Alternatively, it can just appear to be uh, a jumble of incoherent magical writing, but underneath is the secret message that only certain people can see. Gotcha. So within that book, it says to the person that I'm trying to, to cast friends on that they will, in fact, help me because it has been foretold and the universe oh. relies on it. This is how it must happen. And to anyone else that might be within visible range of this book, it appears to say something entirely different. Hmm. So therefore, there's a little bit of a, it has been foretold kind of thing. I cast friends just to double down to make sure that this person goes with me in that deception. Totally. And then uh, I throw some powder into my beard or something like that. And I'm like, boof. <laughs> I'm a crazy wizard. Yeah. Who knows? I'm, I do all kinds of weird stuff. Very good. I'd, I don't know. I think that this spell needs to be given its day. This is a great spell. And to be recognized for its potential versatility. Yes. Can be absolutely. used in a lot of ways. And if you look this spell up, anywhere all you see is misunderstandings about how it could potentially be used and how dire that hostility really is Mm. the mayor isn't bringing down their army on you the mayor of the shoe dungeon (laughs) yeah gotcha and they've got a massive army do not mess with the mayor of shoe dungeon (laughs) well whether you're a player or you're a dm talk to one another and make sure that there is no misunderstandings when it comes to this spell because it should be a lot more uh, capable than a lot of people think. And it really is just a misunderstanding. The players read that that spell description and holy shit, that does not sound like fun. Get into a fight with everybody that I, I need something from? No, thank you. And the DM reads that they've got to punish players every time they use this spell. Yeah. they got to give a really negative reaction to it yeah as soon as a spell is over they whip out a dagger and go for the throat yeah that's not how this is supposed to work work together and play great games that's a that's a thing that we say that's a freebie yeah <laughs> all right well let's move on to grandma b's schoolhouse where you have some other interesting uses of friends heck yeah Folks come here to Grandma B's schoolhouse to gain knowledge and apply the history of their realm. As I like to do, I've gone and found a couple of characters from history 
that are very interesting examples of how I think the spell Friends has been used. Okay, I'm intrigued. And I'd say these are tales of caution. Don't use Friends selfishly because it'll catch up to you just like it did (laughs) these fine con artists. So first we've got George C. Parker, who operated in New York in the late 1800s, early 1900s. At his height, he owned four mansions due to his massive success. Wow. Success at what? Well, let me tell you. Step one, find a wealthy immigrant. Step two, convince them you own the Brooklyn Bridge. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever was said there, that is impressive. I think that's where Friends was cast. Yeah, okay. Step three, convince them they want to buy the Brooklyn Bridge. Why? They can set up a toll booth, make lots of money. (laughs) Okay, obviously. Wow. All right. Look at all the people crossing this bridge. Okay. Apparently, he would say that he was setting up a toll booth and then say, hey, if you want, you can buy it and you can do it. Ah, I have a great idea, Colin. Yeah. Step four, set up fake offices and create fake documents to handle all of the financial details. Wow. That is some... Well, I guess if you're selling the Brooklyn Bridge, it's not 50 bucks. Yeah. So you can make the initial investment to hire staff and an office. (laughs) Well... To be fair, I think it was, the low side was 50 bucks. My God. Because this was the turn of the century. Well, yeah, okay, fair (laughs) enough. $50 was, uh, you know, 500,000. Yeah. And then the final step, watch as the police arrest your marks as they erect toll booths (laughs) and get busted for it while you count your fat stacks of cash. Wow. The audacity. And some reports say that he did this up to twice a week. That is unfrickin' real. For 40 years. <laughs> okay, so I, now I know how he bought his mansions. Yeah, churning that bridge sale. Wow. So not only that, but when he was bored of bridge sales, he would sell the original Madison Square Garden, the Metropolitan Museum of Art, Grant's Tomb, and even the Statue of Liberty. He had different identities and stories for each of these. Because I would absolutely believe that the Statue of Liberty was for sale. (laughs) I know, right? Like... (laughs) (laughs) That is, is a phenomenal casting of friends with an incredibly high charisma. But not only am I taking that away from this, I'm also considering how can my party run a grift? Yeah, 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 yeah. That could be a ton of fun. You're rolling into town. (laughs) Or how could an NPC run a grift on my players? There you go. And now they have to go and recover all of the money that they just sunk into buying something that was never theirs. And if that NPC gets away with it in the end, they can do it again with a little disguised (laughs) (laughs) self-action. Nice. Create an NPC your players love to hate. So, yeah, to finish off this tale, he was convicted of fraud three times, and he didn't like to be arrested because when he was in the courthouse awaiting one of his sentences, he picked up a sheriff's hat and coat that a sheriff had left there for just a moment and walked right out the front door. That's the, again, audacity. Yeah. Just height of confidence. My goodness. Okay. So he's cast friends all day long. Got some real rogue vibes from this too. And he, of course, ended up in Sing Sing Prison where he was <laughs> popular among guards and inmates for his tales of adventure and exploits. So yeah, that's just an example of somebody that 
can walk up to anybody and be that likable, roguish magician. Yeah. Again, you don't have to like somebody all the time to be charmed by them, enthralled by their charisma. Yeah. I can think of a few different people that I don't think are good people Mm. and that I would be, I mean, for lack of a better term, hostile towards. Yeah. But... I find them really enjoyable to be around. <laughs> very entertaining. You just, because you know the truth, you're very careful about. Exactly. Yeah. So the second fella tried some of the same stuff with the Eiffel Tower and got away with that. I think I recall hearing about this one on Aaron Mankey's Cabinet of Curiosities. This is already ringing some bells. Oh, nice. Another great podcast. But his name was Victor Lustig, and I love his second big con. Okay. Which was the money box. (laughs) I'm intrigued. It's a big fancy mahogany box the size of a steamer trunk. And the box's design featured two small slots in the front to take in bills and the paper to print the duplicate bill on. And a compartment containing a false arrangement of levers and mechanisms that had to be operated to make the duplicates. Okay. So he's claiming it'll duplicate your money. But it takes about six hours to duplicate a bill. To print the new bill. So why take so long? Well, let me tell you. So first, he'd load it up with every denomination so that on the first test print, it would print out whatever he needed it to print out. So if you gave me a 50, I'd print you a 50. If you gave me a 100, I'd print you a 100. Then he'd go to the bank with his mark, have the bank prove that they're real bills. Then he'd sell it to his mark. Okay, I guess. Yeah, you're six hours ahead of me, but I'm going to find out that that thing doesn't actually work very quickly relatively quickly unless he left 10 bills in there that are going to print out for you interesting wow so you're sitting there for days cranking out cash you're feeling on top of the world before the box runs out of money (laughs) you said curse you jesus that is diabolical (laughs) there you go rogues have a money box idea (laughs) (laughs) yeah that is perfect i'm definitely gonna run that How easy is that to sell in a world of literal magic? Yeah, right? A money box. I mean, if your party needs fast cash, sell your stuff as magical wonders for cheap to the uninformed. (laughs) (laughs) So many magical items that are really (laughs) mundane. Check out this coat. It makes you more charismatic magically. Use friends to sell mundane magic items as legendary ones. (laughs) Legendary? I'm saying maybe it just, this knife automatically butters your toast for you or something like that. (laughs) So I got to finish off Victor's story because he also conned Al Capone during the Great Depression. He borrowed 50 grand for a potential investment, sat on it for two months, then returned it, saying the investment fell through, but I was honorable enough to give you back your money. Wow creates an impression of honesty, which then he used to convince Capone to give him five grand to tide him over. That would have been an insane amount of money at that time. Yeah. The number apparently varies from one to $5,000, but still, that's a lot of money. And that's all he was looking for in the first place. Jeez. Well, that alone is a great grift to run as a party. Yeah, just the borrowing of the money up front so that you can establish some rapport so that you can screw somebody over later. Yeah. That's diabolical. That's evil. Do honest things up front to cash in on later. (laughs) So hopefully you've got a lot more ammunition to use friends in your games. And choose that spell because there is just so much that is available. Like this is one of the more robust spells. 
as long as you can get past that initial shock from what it could potentially do, it can be used in so many creative ways. And responded to in so many creative ways. Yeah, totally. So before we go, though, we have another great review. This one coming from Randy W36 via Apple. And Randy says, love this show five stars. This is such a great resource for role players who want to make their games more dramatic and enjoyable. I can't recommend this podcast enough. Among non-live play podcasts, there are a few that provide this much value to new Dungeons & Dragons players like me. Thank you, exclamation point. No, Randy, thank you, exclamation point. <laughs> <laughs> this, this so much. Thank you. Really appreciate that. And every once in a while, we'll get a review like this where I just go, Oh, this person gets it. This person gets what we're trying to do. Thank you so much. And of course, makes me feel like I should keep doing it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, feel free. We love reading these reviews. So keep them coming in. And it really helps the show grow as well. It's not just for us to feel good. Yeah, totally. <laughs> helps that, uh, that visibility. All right, so thanks to Tabletop Audio for the sound effects that you heard in this episode. Please join us on our Discord and tell us how you have figured out to use friends really effectively. Yeah. You can also follow us at Hook and Chance on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Reddit. Thanks, thanks for, for listening. listening. And, and show me your shoelair. <laughs> Reveal so, to me the wonders of your feet cushions. Shoe dungeon. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>